Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Ken Baldwin. Ken, I'm really excited you're on the show here. Thanks for joining us. Um, before we get into it, please share with the audience some context. Um, what industry do you work in? What's the company? And what's your title there? Great. So I um, uh, have been married for 10 years. We got four, one, four little ones, uh, seven, five, three, and newly turned one. So we, I am sleep deprived and hopefully I can remember my name and other things to make this podcast at least usable for others. But um, I've been working in the Catholic nonprofit world for 10 years now um, and uh, worked in academia at Franciscan University of Steubenville, worked at a small Catholic high school in Michigan where I'm from originally. And for the last four years, I've been working closely with Dr. Scott Hahn at the St. Paul Center. And what I do, what I've been doing for years now is we've got a lot of great things out there in the Catholic world, but like anything, it needs funding. So what I do is I invite folks to um, uh, sponsor our work through donations and fundraising efforts so we can take all our great content and actually, you know, make it happen. So I, I guess I'd be the more blue collar, boots on the ground, business side of things. You don't want to, uh, hopefully you like this podcast, but if I ever wrote something, I hope, you know, it probably wouldn't be something you really want to read. I'm more behind the scenes guy, but my undergraduate degree is in radio and television. So it's exciting for me to be on your podcast today and actually use my degree for once. So there you go. Let's, let's bring out that <laughs> inner alpha. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's cool. So what I'm hearing you say is uh, for Dr. Scott Hahn, world famous, right? Um, author, speaker, Catholic. Um, and what you do is you kind of run the St. Paul Center, which is uh, boots to the ground, the operational side of, um, I guess you're the glue that keeps it all together. Right. Is that a right. fair way to say it? Yeah. I mean, when we started four years ago, we were, um, our budget was about $800,000 a year. And mm -hmm. we had a lot of things we wanted to do, but we would say, well, we can't do that because we don't have money. So what we did as an organization is we took a step back and we said, okay, if we had the money, what do we mm. think the Lord's calling us to do? What would we like to do? Love and it. so we've grown and blossomed now to where we've gone from six people to 26 and our budget now is 4.5 million, but we're actually more sustainable now than ever. And most importantly, we're creating the best resources out there um, because we're able to get the funding to do what we want to do. We feel like if it's Catholic, it should be the best. So it should be the best video site. It should be the best art, mm. all those things. So, you know, that takes money. And so yeah. that's where I've been able to use my own gifts and talents and, and uh, to do things that I normally wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So I get that. Right. And it sounds like uh, anything you guys work on, you want to do it with excellence. That's what yes. I'm hearing you say. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's cool. So as you know, we're going to have Dr. Scott Hahn on the, the show next week on Tuesday. I get back from my cruise. It's the very next day. Uh -huh. Hopefully I won't be cruise lagged or jet lagged, whatever the expression is. Um, but for all of our listeners that are fans of Dr. Scott Hahn, tune in uh, next Tuesday or Wednesday when we go live. 
that show. So I'm excited about that. Anyway, this show is about you, Ken. So why do you think the world isn't working right now? Well, I think that uh, there's, there's many reasons um, why the world isn't working the way we all wished it were. Um, I think, though, uh, from a Catholic perspective, it's always going to be that eternal battle of good, evil, um, and free will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had a doctor once tell me who, who uh, said something amazing. He's like, our God is obsessed with the idea of free will. And that just like blew me away because I never heard it put in that regards. But you know, I'm going through the Old Testament right now. And even um, the, the Israelites and such obvious signs of God's work in their lives always fell away. And so I think it's partly just our human condition, the reality that as long as we're here on earth, we're always going to probably have issues with the way things are going. So not to so, oversimplify it, but no, no, that's good, actually. So do you think that the world ever will be working or because of our free will, it's never going to work because we're yeah. so broken? Yeah, I mean, I think that you'll we'll, we'll always have these ebbs and flows. You know, I, I mean, I'm just we just came out with this Ignatius Catholic study Bible in the book of Kings. And what happens in the first book of Kings is you have King Solomon in the climax of the Jewish people. And he's got really, he's the apple's eye of everybody on earth. The kings and queens of Egypt and the queen of Sheba, they are coming to Solomon and to the Israelites because he's, he's, he's blessed by, uh, with wisdom of God. He's got all the riches. He builds this amazing temple. And I'm reading all this and I actually stopped reading and just took a break for like a week because I knew at that climax, it all goes downhill from there. It's all going to just be bad, bad, bad. The kingdom's going to fall apart. And it was just like amazing seeing like that moment where like everything was right in the world, you would say. But we know that because humans are involved, that things are only going to last for so long before it just seems to be the human condition where we almost need to suffer to get back on track with the Lord. And he, out of his um, ability of love and to give us free will, you know, no, allows us to fall from him. So hopefully we'll fall back to him. And, and I've certainly experienced that in my own life. So, man, that's powerful. That's a really great answer. Probably one of the best answers I've heard on that, that it ebbs and flows. And we have to keep like when we can, we have to mess up. Right. And uh, it's our human brokenness to mess up our fallen nature. Right. We have to fall just like a kid has to fall. And then God is always there, always in his mercy, always in his compassion, lifting us back up as humanity. Uh, as his children. And uh, I get that. I get the way you explain that. That's really cool. All right. So let's talk about one of the reasons I think the world's not working is divisiveness, right? We have all these labels uh, now in society. It's like almost you can't see something or even having a conversation without labels coming up. It's like, oh, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Oh, and the ear shut down, conversation stops. Um, Let's talk about Christianity and and, uh, Protestantism. And Today, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant uh, um, Reformation. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to Christianity, um, why do you think that the world is so divided? Why are there, like, Christ founded one um, holy apostolic church on earth, and now we have 30 to 40, 50,000 different schisms breakaways branches off of that one tree the tree of life that he is why do you think that is well i hate to steal my 
boss's line who's going to be on your show coming up, Dr. Scott Hahn. But, you know, we just had our a big event here at the St. Paul Center did. And we, you know, we've been talking about the 500th anniversary. And Scott said something profound that I would be remiss to inject because he just did such a great job of nailing it. He talked about how crucial love is, how love is at the heart of what we do as Catholics. And he, he had this great point where he said, basically, when you don't love, what you get is a Protestant Reformation. Meaning if we don't love as we should, that's where especially divisiveness and fractions can happen. And um, when, when, we, when we are lacking in charity and those sorts of things, I mean, that just is a breeding ground for these sorts of things to take place. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say, because I want to clean that up a little, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. message, but I want to just make sure myself and the listeners get it the way you're meaning it, from my understanding. Um, we're not making uh, Protestants wrong in what we're saying. We're saying that um, when we're not loving the way Christ intends us to love, whether it's Catholics, Christians, Protestants, mm-hmm. um, then what happens is it creates this breeding ground of um, brokenness, right? Of uh, reformation, of things have to get cleaned up. We've made a mess. We've used each other instead of loving each other. And that leads to divisiveness, right? People like, I don't want any part of this. I'm out. You guys say you stand for love, but you're not loving. I'm going to go over here and create my own. Yeah. That's how we end up with 30,000 different yeah, and and so yeah, and so what I was, what I took from that was it's not like a you, it's like an us we thing, right? Where it's, it's um, you know, when we, when we love as we should, that's something that's attractive. You yeah. Know? And you know, and I think of my grandmother who passed away almost a year ago, of, at ninety three, and she would have over twenty people at her um, Sunday breakfast after mass, and you could count come hell or high water, that she would have literally crowds of people at her house. Um, You know, as her grandkids, we could not wait to spend time with her. Well, what was that thing that was so attractive about her that, you know, a lot of times, you know, the elderly and the grandparents have a hard time getting people to come to her house. Grandma had the opposite problem where it's like she didn't know what to do with all the people that were coming to her house. It's like, well, what was drawing people in? It was like, you knew when you came into her house, that you were the most important person to her. She wanted to know how you were doing. It wasn't about her. It was about you. And she also happened to be a great cook. And you factor those things in together. And, and so it's been like a challenge to me. Like, so how do we, so how do I become that sort of person that loves so much that we're attracting people to us, not pushing them away, not saying what's happening here is something that we, we, uh, you know, want to kind of do something different because this mm. isn't meeting us where we're at. So. I love that. I love that point, man. You know, so maybe uh, the Catholic Church can learn a lot from your grandmother, right? And one, they could serve better food. That's the, <laughs> lesson. That's the lesson I just got out of that. Um, her toast and her breakfast would not hurt. That's for sure. So. <laughs> and number two, most importantly, is literally let's get better at loving people. Right. Let's get better at being interested in uh, the people, the congregation, right, in our churches, mm-hmm. Um, as pastors, as deacons, right? Uh, Even as laity, when people come in, let's take the time. And that's one thing I noticed when I've gone to some of my uh, Protestant brothers' uh, churches is fellowship is huge, huge emphasis on fellowship. And you know what? That's why people are drawn there because it's fulfilling the human need I have in me to feel loved and accepted as well as every other human being on the planet. And I think when we come at people uh, through theology, through the head, and we skip the heart, 
that's where we run into problems. That's where we run into issues. And your grandmother had it figured out. So that's really well said. Well, and I would say too that, you know, I, I, I do find like, um, you, you know, being in the Catholic world now and connecting with a lot of folks, it's so easy to fall into this trap where it, we almost just say, let's, let's um, put walls around and let's just, you know, barricade ourselves in from the culture and people have different views and things like that. And it's easy to fall, I think, into that temptation. But really, I, I think we want to always, you know, make sure, are we loving, are we evangelizing like we should? Like, are we, are we a church, are we a parish community that is attractive to others? Now, as Catholics, we have unique challenges. Because when you go to a mass, you're going into a liturgy, into a, a, a worship that is not as conducive to fellowship as other forms of worship with with our other brothers and sisters of other denominations. So like you won't see at a Catholic church, like also a coffee house where you can get coffee and just visit with people. And it's, 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 there's, you know, as we, we been talking with people, we have harder on ramps in the Catholic church to get people in. Let's say you've never been to a Catholic church and you're interested in learning more about the Catholic faith. So you've never stepped into a Catholic church. I mean, and I, and I work with all folks that used to, that were never Catholics. I'm the only cradle Catholic here. They talk about just the horror of going to their first mass and just like almost being like in a different world. It's like, are we kneeling? Are we, you know, what is going on? And so that's a challenge as Catholics. And so it's like, we need to be working and, and learning also from our brothers and sisters to see how welcoming they are. So before mass begins, after mass ends, how are we, you know, showing that love when, we, when we're able to, showing that, that ability to fellowship and that others are important, knowing that during mass, you know, we're focused on the Eucharist and the liturgy of the, of the word. And so, you know, I, I think it's something where we certainly can learn with other about others and what they're doing and implement it as well. So I love it. I 100% in agreement with you on that. Um, before I ask my next question, if you could do me a favor, uh, your mic seems to be banging across the desk oh, or something yeah, like that. So yeah. we're getting a lot of feedback. Let me, okay, great. Let me take my sweatshirt off. Hang on one second. There you go. Awesome. So while you're doing that, well, we'll do a little pause here. So uh, while Ken's uh, adjusting his mic there, I just wanted to let you guys know as listeners that uh, Dr. Scott Hahn will be on the show. So if you're a fan of Dr. Scott Hahn, he's one of the top, if not the number one guy in the Catholic space. Uh, as far as uh, author, I think he's written like 20, 30, 40 books, something up there. I mean, amazing author, um, uh, amazing speaker. He's a storyteller. He's fantastic. And he delivers hard-punching uh, theology um, in a very digestible way. That's how I would say it, mm -hmm. uh, which is really positive. So anyway, look look out for that show next week. Ken is back with us. Uh, again, we're speaking with Ken Baldwin, um, who runs the St. Paul Center. Where is that in Ohio, right? Yeah, it's in Steubenville, Ohio, um, the vacation capital of the world, for those of you that don't know about <laughs> us. Uh, we're just west of Pittsburgh. We are the home of Dean Martin and Jimmy the Greek, and Clark Gable was born not far away. So I love it. I love that. You just created uh, <laughs> relatedness. So uh, you mentioned you were born in the Catholic faith, so you were born mm -hmm. and raised Catholic, Ken. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever fall away from the faith? Um, did you ever have the prodigal son years? Like I personally did, but this story isn't about me. So did that ever yeah, happen I mean, to you? I mean, I, I – um... I share about this all the time because I literally grew up in what I would consider to be the most amazing Catholic home. And what I mean by that is my parents, my dad and my mom were the two, two of the most holy people 
I will ever know. And my parents had had such amazing uh, conversion experiences into the Catholic faith that we just grew up seeing parents that were so in love with the Lord. We would have prayer time every evening. We'd go over the readings, and, and which really developed my love for scripture. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, in sixth grade, you're like at that stage as a man where you're, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're starting to have like a sex drive and you're growing in that way, but you're still, your moral formation isn't quite there. So I remember getting a Sports Illustrated, had Tiger Woods, who was just, I think it was the first year he won the Masters and it showed him, um, uh, the cover was him with like six um, hardly dressed women. And as a sixth grade boy, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh. So I, I cut out the picture and I, but I, I knew like morally there was something wrong because I like hit it, but it was so something that I wanted at the same time. So I, hit, so I hit it and my mom found it when she was like folding my laundry or something. And so my dad talked to me that night and he said, look, you know, you're going to have lots of temptations um, when it comes to sexuality with women with pornography and things like that. And he said, when you see a beautiful woman, I want you to just pray for her and praise God for beautiful women and say a prayer for her. And I'm telling you, Joseph, that was like the best advice I ever had. Hmm. Cause then at a young age, I learned how to turn that temptation into an opportunity for prayer and to kind of to protect myself against the inevitable temptations that us guys will have till the day we're dead. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's just like one example of just the tools and the, the wealth of gifts my parents gave me as I grew up in, in the Catholic faith, went to a very dynamic parish. Um, then I went to a big high school and I was a new student and I was an athlete. So I'm playing football and basketball and baseball. And that was really the focus of my life at that point. And yet I had this great Catholic upbringing. So I'm on my freshman basketball team's bus. And most of the players on our team were Catholic. And I said to my teammates after a big win, I said, guys, wouldn't it be amazing if when we graduate from high school, we go to college and we all became priests in this diocese. And the bus driver like had a heart attack, almost crashed the bus, like everybody spilled their Gatorade. (laughs) And and so I kind of learned like, if I wanted to be um, like someone that was popular in my high school, if I wanted to be someone that people wanted to be with, I needed to compartmentalize my Catholic faith. And, I get that. and so, and so that was, you know, so really I kind of made a decision, you know, I wanted to be, and I think this is like what most people want, but I, like, I want to be well-liked. Like I've always wanted to be well-liked. I think most people do. And so from then on, I kind of really compartmentalized my, my Catholic faith. And even though I had such a great Catholic upbringing, that became a real, I think, issue that then by the time, you know, I saw my heart was kind of growing now away from the Lord. By the time I was a senior, I was way more excited to go drinking with my friends than to do anything with the faith. Although, you know, I had been given such strong formation that I'm always going to mass and I'm always going to get confession when I needed to, but my heart started to really grow away from the Lord. So to give you a perfect example of where I was in my faith, you know, I, I just wanted to get hammered all the time and, and just party and, and, and things like that. And, but at the same time, I go to Franciscan University, which is known for being like this staunch Catholic university. And so that was kind of like where I was at in my life, right? So I, on one hand, I have this great formation. So I, I want to go to Franciscan University of Steubenville. But at the same time, I just really wanted to, to, to also have kind of live this other life. And so kind of like to our earlier point, like with free will, the Lord was like, you know what? I'm, 
you know, I love you and I want to be loved, which means I'm not going to force myself on you. So if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. And so basically my first two years at Franciscan, it was like this weird situation where I was always going to deep, trying to go deeper in my faith, but at the same time, also drink more than anybody else on earth. And so, you know, I kind of reached this point though, where when that, you're, you're doing that, we all of a sudden I stop and I look at my life and I'm like, man, I, you know, there's like, a, there's something seriously wrong here with the way I'm living my life. But what really was a turning point was my sister who has a gift of just telling you how she thinks it is. You know, it's a real gift in many ways. So I had, um, I drank like a 12 pack in like five minutes or something at my house. And my sister was there, you know, and I'm like the Catholic guy that knows scripture so well and things like that. But she's like, look, man, I look up to you so much as my Catholic brother, because she's my little sister, we're about a year and a half difference. But you can't like call yourself like a real like Catholic man and do and like be like hosting these parties and doing what you did last night. And Joseph, she got me so bad. I mean, it was like cut my heart, mm. cut me right between the eyes. And so it was a Sunday morning because I couldn't go to mass because I was so hungover. And the whole day I kind of grappled with what she said. And I, I, I bought her a coffee. She was working like at a Starbucks and I was like trying to convince her that she had it wrong. And she just held for me. She's like, no, you really need to change. And okay, so listen to this. So I, so I, I, I go to mass. I don't receive communion because I'm, you know, in this state of sin I was in. I go to my driveway and I'm sitting in my car. I turn off the car. And for the first time in my life, I just said, all right, Lord, I'm really sorry. I need your help. Like for the first time in my life, I ever said to God, that I couldn't live a life for him unless he was giving me that grace that I needed. And it was like the first time I was really real, real with the Lord. It was the first time I really just confessed my heart. Like, you know what I, I you know, cause like, like I would do all these things and I would just always make excuses for what I do. Like, I remember honestly, like going to confession once and saying, well, this girl got me really drunk. And it's like, no dude, like I was the one that was drunk, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, I would just always blame other people. For the first time, I was just real with the Lord. I said, no, I actually am the one making mistakes and not living my life, and I need your help. So this is what happened. So no sooner did those, those words from my heart, and I, I might even express them you know, physically, but it was certainly something that was staying from my heart, that I had this unbelievable experience of grace and of joy and of love that almost that literally manifests itself physically in the sense that I went from just the, the depths of despair to just feeling a joy that I've never had never experienced before. And this was like back in 2003. So we're talking now almost 15 years ago. And to this day, that joy has never left me. And it was like the Lord gave me, it's like the Lord was just asking, waiting for me to say to him, I need you to help me. And I can't do this without you. It's like once I was just honest and open with the Lord, it's like that grace came into our heart. Where now all of the, the desires I had to, to drink, 5,000 beers in three minutes. It was no longer there. Like it, it literally was gone. Now I still love to drink, but it's a, it's a whole, it's a difference. It's like the Lord has given, like gave me this sort of, uh, of, um, of grace that I didn't have and uh, of balance. And just like, so everything became now reordered because when you experience that forgiveness from the Lord, it's like, I went back to Franciscan University, which is full of way more holier people than me. And I couldn't wait to share what the Lord had done in my life. And it's so easy to say, well, who are you? Like you're a broadcasting dude. And we're like theology people. What do you have to share? But people could see that I was like the same person, but I was at the same time, totally different. Mm -hmm. And 
like I, I just had experienced firsthand what the Lord had done in my life with just the, the, this transformation of heart that I experienced where I just couldn't wait to share. So I'd speak all the time at Franciscan University, just sharing with people like what the Lord had done with my life. And it was just exciting to be able to say, like, I don't care what other people think about me because I've experienced something that nobody can take away, which is this, this, this actual uh, um, experience of, of forgiveness and of grace the Lord has given me. And so really from, the, from that day forward, from that day of giving my life to the Lord in the car, um, my, days, my life has never been the same since that day. And literally every day since I've woken up from then on, it's been a, a sense of, Lord, you've done this for me. I just want to give back to you. Like every day now, it's like, what can I do to serve you, Lord? Now, what I love about this show too is, but it's also very real. Like I'm sleep deprived. I have four kids. Um, uh, my one-year-old's getting all his teeth. And I mean, life is hard. Like my, my dad passed away now three years ago from Lou Gehrig's disease. And just because I gave my life to the Lord and this happened doesn't mean it's easy, but it means now you always have this peace knowing that the Lord is with you no matter what, from the highs to the lows. Man, listen, first off, thank you for sharing that. Normally, I don't let my guests speak that long on one rant. Mm -hmm. However, that was fantastic, that testimony. And the reason why I was like, keep going, keep going, Ken, is because there was so much relatedness in your conversion story. And that was a conversion story, right? Because you had, uh, you were raised in the faith and you really got the faith up in your head. And, you know, that was really my next question. It's easy to learn about God our whole life, but never know him. And, you know, when is the first time you actually experience God in your life? And that's what I always ask to my guests. When did you experience him in an almost real tangible way? And you said for you, it was in the car in that moment. And what caused it, you were in full control of with your free will. Any one of our listeners right now can cause that. If, if you've never experienced God and you're listening right now and you never experienced him like in a real tangible way, you can do what Ken just did, what he shared, right? When he was younger is you got, you get real with God and you just break it down and you have the best prayer of your life. And you say, God, I don't know what the heck I'm doing right now. Like I'm lost. Like I feel empty. Um, I thought I had this figured out. I thought I was in control of my life, but honestly, I'm not. I'm miserable. I'm empty. Something's missing. Something's off. I'm depressed. I'm despairing. I'm lonely. You name it, right? We all have these same struggles and just get on your knees or just sit in your car and do what Ken did and look up at the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. Amen. And right there, God will be present right in that moment. So I'd love that. You just gave access to so many of our listeners right there. Now, you spoke about how your faith really does show up in your life right now. And um, it, it doesn't make uh, life easier per se. There's still the challenges. There's still the crosses. However, there's this underlying uh, foundational um, joy, this foundational peace that gets you through it. And that's what God promises in scripture. He doesn't promise more than that. He promises to love you and to give you that peace and that joy to get through carrying your cross every day, right? And it's a yeah. daily struggle. So Ken, what do you want your family or friends to know in the moment that they give up on God? What do you want them to know? What do you want to say to them in those moments? I think on the spot, it's, it's um, seeing the examples of, of people that suffer so much, and it's so easy to give up on the Lord, but I think one of the things is, it's like, the more you live life, 
It's like, we're going to encounter suffering no matter what. But it's just that peace that you have when you give it to the Lord and realizing that we're not promised an easy life, but we are promised that peace. And, you know, many times people that, that have that profound experience of the Lord is when they just realize, wait a second, I'm a son or daughter of Jesus Christ and of God. Yeah. And just kind of reclaiming that identity that you know, I don't have to be, um, I don't have to be suffering. I don't have to be distant from the Lord because he's always welcoming me back. And he just wants us to be honest with him and come before the Lord. And it, it could even be saying, I don't want to, Lord, I don't like you right now. Um, you know, you could easily say my dad died of ALS, which is one of the most power, uh, you know, difficult you know, diseases to go through. I don't like you right now. I don't understand why you can't heal him, but I'm going to be real with you because just in our, in our um, frailty and, and human weakness, it's so easy, I think, to, to blame God and to fall away from him, but just to continue to go back and be real with him and just to say, you know, this is where I'm at. Like, he will give you that peace and that grace that we're inevitably going to have to deal with at some point, you know? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, life on this earth, you know, I, I find more, more often I'm reminded of, of God and, and just the, the lifestyle I've chosen to be, to be Catholic and, and to serve the Lord. It's, it's almost like when we have the biggest success, I find sometimes is the starkest reminder that we're not meant to live here forever. You know, when I've had the most amazing things I've always dreamt to happen in my career, it's like, really, this is the best. You know, like I'm a, I'm a long-suffering uh, Michigan Wolverine fan now. We have not had a good team in many years. And I know if and when we should ever win the NCAA championship in football and win the Final Four, Probably that night or the next day, I'm going to have, you mean, this is what I've been waiting for 20,000 years and all the time I've been on the Michigan blogs and the radio shows listening and things like that. Like, this is the best that I, you know, and so it's a reminder. There's got to be more to my life than what I'm experiencing right now, that what the culture says is the best. And I, I find that to be honestly more the case when great things happen in your life that you've always wanted to have happen. It's like, this is it. You know, like, this is, this is the best I feel right now. Man, I, I've got a long life ahead of me if this is the best I'm going to get. so Man, I get that in a powerful way. And you're right. It's like some of my greatest moments I got there and I was like, okay, what's next? And I spent five years trying to get there, all consuming. I made it my God, right? It was idolatry straight up. That was my idol, success, money, et cetera. And then I got it and it was like, well, why don't I feel fulfilled? Yeah. You know, you just plateau out. And uh, so I really right. get that. What part of your faith do you still sometimes wrestle with, Ken? If you were being you know, raw and open with our audience right now. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and let's keep I this think, uh, just real basic, real short, because we're going to yeah. wrap this up. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that it's just the, the challenge I have is every day, um, you know, I work with Dr. Scott Hahn, the most incredible Catholics in the world, but yet it's loving my wife, loving my children. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, being on this podcast and, and sharing as like this guy that works at Catholic Apostolate, I mean, you know, you know, every night I go to bed thinking, man, I'm like the worst father, man, I am like the worst husband. Like, you know, if, if I could get a point for yelling at my kids, I would have more money than Warren Buffett right now, I feel like, you know, and it's like one of those things where, you know, it's easy in some ways to put things in your mind about the faith in many regards, but it's harder to live it out. And, you know, just interacting with my colleagues and just always saying like, am I loving, you know, back to one of our earlier points, like I should be, like, am I as charitable as I should be? 
And that's just a daily battle. I mean, that is an in and out daily battle, daily grind. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, I feel like the Lord gives us children and, and spouses and family to really practice what we, what we preach each and every day. And it's easy to go on a podcast, honestly. Like, I wish this would be the most challenging part of my faith would be to be sharing about my conversion story on this podcast. But the reality is I'm going to have to go home tonight and love my kids, love my wife in ways that are very challenging. I mean, my, my one-year-old gets up like five times a night right now. And, you know, my wife and I wake up and we're like zombies. And it's, so it's like, the, you know, you've got, it's hard enough to love people living in one roof, but then when you got all these other challenges and when kids are sick and things like that, it's like, we have plenty of opportunities to grow in our love for others that life just throws it our way. And I think to me, that's, that's the biggest struggle is just ringing the bell each day saying, you know what, I'm not going to get discouraged, but I'm going to just continue to, to try and get better each day and how I love my family and friends and others. So I love that. Right. And I think you just connected with so many of our listeners right there who are going through that new moms, new dads, and just wrestling with nobody told me how to raise a family, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's no instruction on this. How do I do it? How do I live my faith when I get home? You know, and that's difficult. I mean, because the world is tough out there, right? So it's like you struggle to live your faith in your workplace. You struggle to live your faith with your friends. And then you get home and it's like you're put to the test over and over again. Live your faith with your wife. Love her even in those uncomfortable moments. Live your faith with your kids, right? When they're going through the terrible twos and you're not even there yet, right? But that's coming up. Or being sleep deprived and saying, I don't even have the basic uh, things that I need, like sleep to really function. Why am I being tested so much like this? So anyway, I, I just really like that you brought that home for us. Final question. What's the one thing you want the world to know about your faith or about right the Catholic faith, which is your faith? What's yeah, the one I, thing you want them to know? Well, I, I wish um, every Catholic knew just how um, fun it is to be Catholic and what a love affair it really is. And you know, I feel spoiled because I've been blessed with such amazing parents and people around me. But if I could just say one thing to Catholics, it would just be, you know, don't get discouraged um, about your shortcomings or about what you may or may not have received in your own life. But just dig in, go deeper in your faith, read the Bible, you know, it, it, take advantage of the plethora of resources that are out there. And if you just keep showing up each day and trying and, and just keep working hard, that, that God will continue to bless those efforts and give you the peace and that grace that you need to, to reign with him forever as a king and queen in heaven. So, Love it. Cool. All right. So, Ken, we're about to enter my favorite part of this conversation. I call it the confession round. Okay. There's no priest present. However, uh, I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions and you'll have three seconds to answer each. Okay. If that comes to you, don't overthink it. Are you ready? Okay. okay. Yes. Here we go. What's your favorite thing about being an adult? Uh, drinking. <laughs> What's your least favorite thing about being an adult? Changing diapers. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? I think that they won't like me. I get that. If you could be anyone just for fun for the next seven days on the planet, who would you want to trade places with? Donald Trump. <laughs> Got it. Uh, what, do you, what do you wish you were better at? Probably a better husband. Got it. What dream are you scared of pursuing? Oh, easy questions here. Um, oh, I don't, I honestly am not sure about that. Um, 
If you were sure about it, what would you say? <laughs> um, I guess um, probably, I, you know, the entrepreneurial side, you know, the fear of creating something and then it not working out, um, yeah. you know, Makes starting sense. my own company or something like that is always, you know, something I think about, you know. Yeah. And you got this whole radio background to you and yeah. you're very good on the radio. So yeah. might be something to sit with there. What mm -hmm. makes you smile more than anything? Oh, probably my kids, uh, my three-year-old. Um, this morning, in fact, we were so tired. So we said, we're going to put on Pandora and put on like this crazy dance music. And my three-year-old was just dancing in a way that was just so funny. <laughs> I, mean, I think my kids caused me the most anguish, but also the most joy. So very cool. When you were a child, like one of your kids, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, a professional athlete. So depending on the season, football, basketball, or baseball. Got it. So you're like a Bo Jackson. You could That's right. jump yeah. from sport to sport. If you had yeah. the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world, what would it be? Oh, man. Only one. You could remove it tomorrow. You wake up tomorrow, Mosquito it's bites. gone. Mosquito What's bites. <laughs> Best answer ever. Gotcha. Uh, imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what mm -hmm. it says on it. Here lies Ken Baldwin, who hopefully was half as spectacular as his father. Wow. Very cool. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? I think well done, my good and faithful servant would do. <laughs> I would do, right? And last question, Ken, if you could come back to life and tell your family, friends, and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Well, everybody loves advice from a 35-year-old because I've seen it all now in my older years. But I think um, just, you know, how, like we've been talking about, giving your life to the Lord. Uh, you will never regret it, and your wildest dreams will come true when you least expect it with what the Lord can do when you follow him. Very cool. Ken, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Yeah, they can uh, shoot me an email anytime. Um, because I'm a fundraiser, usually people don't like to reach out to me because I'll usually be asking <laughs> for money. So, well, they will after this show. You to <laughs> share who you so really are. People can send me an email if they'd like to, you know, you know, follow up with any, you know, other stories or anything like that. You can sure. What's the email address? Yeah, it's Ken Baldwin at stpaulcenter.com. That's Ken Baldwin, one word, at stpaulcenter.com. That's stpaulcenter.com, one word. So Excellent. Ken, thanks for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. You too. Cheers. God bless. You too. Friends. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, He's fascinated by you, and He wants to show you His awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with Him, and I'll see you on the next show.